Welcome to the Beautiful Step Podcast, where we run, stomp, tiptoe, and tango into the confusing, but beautiful world of togetherness. We are your hosts, Chris and Charity. Now, let's go make our together even Even better. That's what these are right here. Boom, 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 oh, you're like a real DJ. <laughs> you like that? Okay, so wait, we're in the cabin. Still? I'm going really good. I'm going good. <laughs> what does that what mean? What does that mean? I don't know. It's, um, I feel good. You do feel good? Actually, you know what, Chair? I have lost a lot of weight. Yeah. And I you're feel looking awesome. like. You're, oh, you're strong. You are strong. Look at that. And look at that. The camera. Look at your farmer tan. Pretty much you've been, oh my God. You have been asking. Oh, yeah. What? (laughs) You've been asking me about every activity if you can do it shirtless, basically. Can I take my shirt off? I feel better about my body right now than I have in a really long time. Is that something to be ashamed of? Hey. (laughs) And you turn 50 next month, so there you go. Nice. You still look pretty good. You still look awesome. You look amazing. I don't look strong like that. I would not have those same biceps. What? Nah, nah, nah. Okay, so we're here. Okay. We're recording part two of Autonomy is Essential because we screwed up part one. Uh Oh, well, it was supposed to be one long one, but. It was my fault. Yeah, it was. You're blaming it on me? Well, it was your fault, but. That's okay. We just are re-recording part two. <laughs> you know how magical that was. I know it was. We had it was some really so good, good stuff, and now there's no way we're gonna be able to recreate that. But all right, that's all right. Well, we'll have new magic. Get us started. New magic. Get okay, us started. so autonomy is essential. Mm-hmm. Part one. Go back and listen because you're gonna need that. Right. For knowledge. Right. So autonomy is what independence, like your own self. You have to have control over your outcomes. Or else you won't be happy. In your life. Right? Yeah. So we say some scientific scientific studies that talk about like why it's biological that you want autonomy, sure. want independence. And then that whole concept of agency, like being able to actually act on your own behalf. I love it. Yeah. 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 So we talked all about that. Mm-hmm. You liked the concept for kind of a different reason than I liked the concept. Yeah. You want me to go with my bottom line or are you going to go with your bottom line? You go ahead with yours. So my bottom line is this. It's... The big takeaway from autonomy, it, it's very simple. It, when you are in a situation with your partner mm-hmm. where they are being difficult, um, they feel like they're, you know, not playing along, maybe they're crossing your will a lot or, you know, you just you're not seeing eye to eye. And it's not like they're out to get you like, you know, what I'm saying it's just been difficult. And it's like, why can't you just play along? Like, yeah. like oftentimes you what? I, you, uh, you get, uh, you get pretty difficult. Oh, all right. okay. And so I guess, and I've observed this in other couples a lot. I'm right? not the only difficult person. Right. So like, you'll be, you know, couples fight. Yeah. Right. And so my thing is you can trade this thought for the one that gets butt hurt. Okay. You know what I mean? Like butt hurt. I hate that's a cheap you know, cop out way of saying, you know, I, my, 
my feelings, feelings are raw right now. Um, I'm really, you know, if, if, if I could have these types of things happening in my life, I'd feel better, you know, or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but her is, it's actually pretty complicated, mm. but you can trade this in for being butthurt because the big idea is that your partner isn't necessarily doing this to get you or get you back or any of that. They're being like obstinate okay. or difficult okay. or not playing along. They're not really trying to do that personally to you all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe in some maniacal situations. Right. But they're just going for their own happiness and they're feeling stuck. Maybe they're feeling like they can't quite figure out what's going to make them happy, but they know they have to make a choice mm. and the choice has to be theirs and they have to have some control over their outcomes. And that is what is biologically we discovered is going to make them happy. Yes. Yeah. The ability to choose is what really wards off depression and all of that. Right. Choose, but also feel like you chose and now this is the outcome you get. Like you have to have control over your outcomes, whether your outcomes are, you know, s small or insignificant or whatever they are. Just that choosing. Yeah. Just that control is actually, it's very healthy. It's very bi biologically healthy. Yeah. So you take away from it that kind of understanding the concept gives you empathy for the other person, for your partner. A hundred percent, because now you're not mad at them. You're just going, oh, I feel bad. Like, you're probably just not really happy right now. You need to make some hard decisions, you know, or whatever decisions yeah. that you need to make. Yeah. That's my big takeaway. Like, please, I want to use this for the rest of my life, having more empathy when it comes to how difficult you can be. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that for me, it's not, I guess there is that, like the acknowledgement that the other person might be acting a certain way because they need autonomy. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think the big lesson and what we were going to go into today is like the acknowledgement that most people actually don't understand why they're being obstinate or why they're feeling stuck or why they... It, it just feels like a lot of couples I talk to, one of the partners is in a position where they feel kind of stuck. They right. they can't figure out their identity. They don't know what's they don't know what to do next. And they're just kind of going through something and they're acting out in a certain way. And it could be your kids. It could be your partner, whoever. But they're acting out in a certain way and they can't really tie the fact that the reason they're acting this way is because their voice has been taken or they have given up their voice. Right. Um, and they're, they've lost some autonomy and agency over their life. They can't really name that and say, that's the thing that's really bothering me. They just know that they feel frustrated. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think for me, it's almost enough to stop there. Right. It's almost enough to just say, okay, this is, you know, why I am frustrated. Like, I need autonomy. I need to have control over my outcomes. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. is enough right there. But like you were talking about this idea of, well, maybe you can use it as sort of a starting point to help them figure out what their problem is yeah, <laughs> right? I or figure out where they need to be and stuff. And so that's what I was like, well, this is actually pretty interesting, you know? Yeah. Like, I think we can take this second part and say, OK, what are the tools then of being able to help each other develop really good, healthy independence within a relationship? Because that's the stuff people don't really know how to do oftentimes. And that's just, those are the things like that we are still always figuring out. Like, what is what is my own self inside of this partnership? 
Right. How do I maintain individuality? Mm-hmm. Right. And at the same time, every, I mean, a healthy sense of that and a healthy sense of yeah. control. And at the same time, be in relationship. Because yeah. it's, you can totally see how this could be. Oh, I'm, I'm autonomous. I'm in full control. I want control of my life. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. And pretty soon you end up alone. Right. And yeah. that's the flip side is like, no one wants to be alone. So you have to figure out this tension. Right. Right. And we talked about how sometimes it happens that people will self-sabotage or they'll, they'll sabotage the relationship in some ways without really knowing why they're doing it. So right. we might, you know, there, there might be a, a relationship where one partner is just kind of doing things that will isolate them from their partner, from their family or whatever, whether it be all sorts of issues to, to do that, right. ways to drive away people. And they're not knowing why they're doing it, but sometimes they're doing it because they at some point felt like they lost themselves and they're really just trying to eliminate the other voices that have been kind of speaking over them, speaking for them, have taken up their life. And they're really trying to find their own self, you know, their own, their own independence, their own autonomy. And they do it in a way that they don't understand, but that's what they're going for. Wait. So silencing other voices through the choices that they're making so that they can feel in control. Yeah. Like isolating yourself, you know, like by doing actions that drive other people away because you're, you have no other means to get it done. You can't tell why you're doing it, but you're like, I really need to figure out who I am. And all these people have informed who I am. And so I have to find a way to actually kind of like push them back. But the only way I know how to do that right now is to just sabotage it. That's the Unabomber. What? The Unabomber. What are you talking about? Think about it. This dude, basically, I mean, literally, he said, I don't want anyone telling me, you know, what to do ever again in my entire life or whatever. And he ends up alone in the woods, but he's left alone with his own choices. And he's finally got like his outcomes and stuff. And the problem with him was that he wanted significance so badly that he ended up, you know, sending all kinds of bombs all over the country. Yeah, that's... But I guess what I'm getting at is that idea of, like, I'm going to keep silencing these voices until I feel like I have some power. Yes. I'm going to keep silencing these, like, these, you know, people who wind up alone and are like, I just, you know, I can't take it, you know, some bossy woman around or whatever, you know, or, like, my parents or what, mm-hmm. whoever you are, you're going to make those choices, I think. Yeah. Until you are isolated enough to feel like maybe you've gotten power. And if you always feel powerless, I mean, you may just be lonely forever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that we talked about reactants, that that the idea that, you know, anyone telling you what to do, anyone asserting what to do, you will naturally have, a, again, a biological response that will force your body and your mind and your heart to try to prove that wrong because you like someone else telling you what to do and how to think you're going to naturally react to. Right. Can I just say this while we're, while we're talking through this, I want to, uh, what's coming to mind right now, as we're talking, this is the first sort of iteration I've had in my mind of this thought is why don't we just agree that the human spirit is really powerful. Yeah. Like your choices and the way that you carry yourself has a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Power enough to really direct your life. Right. Whether it's good or 
bad. I mean, the choices that you make, the calls that you call, mm-hmm. you know, the the things you decide on, that those autonomous things that you're in control of, you've no longer abdicated your choices or your responsibility to someone else. You're taking full responsibility yourself. That stuff can turn out miraculous, right? Yeah. And it can also turn out like a train wreck. So the human condition has a ton of power. Yes. So my question is this, what do you do with it in a relationship? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you are a powerful, powerful person. Even if you don't recognize it. That's what I'm saying. And so what we wanted to talk about today was just tools of like, how do you actually help each other with this, navigate it and do it in a healthy way where you can get down to the bottom of like, what's actually, what are you going for? What is the thing that drives you? How can I support you to be the most independent, successful Chris Carmody within our marriage? Uh, How do I do that? How do you do that for me? And then how do we do that for the people around us that we're in relationship with? What are the tools to actually help people along in that process? Right. And it's not necessarily because the other person's weak. No. That you're trying to figure it out. I mean, they have the power to do whatever they damn well please, right? Mm -hmm. But how nice is it to have that other person, you know, someone? I mean, what I think there's some sort of quote like, uh, you can't get to know yourself until... You know, you get intimate with someone else, right? Like, oh. you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like a mirror. They're they're going, Absolutely. here's the way you're being. You know? Well. You'll go freaking crazy if you don't have some feedback. Yes. Right? And, you, and Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're, yes, you're powerful enough to direct your life and to make your choices and you need to do that. But guess what? You know, you've got to actually, I don't know if it's give up that power. I don't think that's it. I think it's more of... um lean on or 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 let the other person right the the power that they have sort of influence you does that make sense am i making sense yeah just help you walk through it yeah yeah so i think what it boils down to for me is that these tools will help you see each other and they will help you be seen i love it if you really work together like to see the actual individual you right the autonomous you yeah so we just wanted to start off with some really like some tools about listening because the whole thing about helping each other in autonomy is understanding each other. Right. Right. And I think a lot of people don't actually take the time to listen to Mm -hmm. each other Mm -hmm. or the time we're so busy worrying about what we want. We often don't take the time to really dive into maybe what somebody else wants, especially if they're not vocal about it. Right. Um, You know, maybe an introverted person or somebody who doesn't like conflict or any of that, they might, they might be more quiet. And so you have to really cultivate that by listening. Right. I love it. Yeah. So we took some of these out of the catalyst book, um, by Jonah Berger. And then, uh, we added some to about just listening tips. Give me one. Okay. The first one. Go. Active listening. Okay. What that means is what I'm leaned in. I'm looking at you. I'm nodding. I'm like, have body language that's like I'm listening to you. I'm not interjecting as soon as you say something, something about myself. I'm not comparing like, oh, I've had that experience too, and interrupting you. The one upper man. Yeah. You ever seen the one like <laughs> the person who just one uppers you all the time? All the, it's the worst. That's not actual. I listening. can't. I know it's not listening. Yeah, and it's so annoying. Yeah. So active listening, like be engaged, uh, lean in, be ready to listen. The second. One is that you should ask open-ended questions. What, what do you mean? So not yes or no questions. 
like, hey, did you want to do this? That would be yes or no. But like, what would you like to do today? That's open-ended, right? Uh, He also says, avoid any question that starts with why, if you're actually trying to listen to somebody. Which I thought was so, I had never thought of that, but that's really brilliant because he says it, why will always put the other person on the defensive. Like, why would you wear that? Or why would you say that? Yeah. How would you, okay, so or why did why did you go do that? Right. And all of a sudden it's like, well, now you're having to explain yourself. But not in a good way. You're like defending something you did without even knowing you were going to have to defend it. That's so crazy because why? It goes all the way back to like uh, the, you know, the most existential question, you know, like, why do we exist? If you keep asking why. Yeah. You ever seen that? You know, or, oh, yeah. You just yeah, keep yeah. drilling it's just, down. It just, it's just a big loop. Yeah. So that's a good idea. Don't ask why. I think if you could think of I, when you said that just now, I was thinking about how like, when, you know, when your kids go through that stage where it's like they ask all the same questions over and over. They keep like, but why? But why? And it keeps so drilling bad. down. Yeah. So don't be the toddler who's doing that to people. Just ask like really that, mature, open-ended questions. Yeah. Avoid yes and no questions if you actually want to know what they're thinking. Right. Yeah. So that could be things like, well, you know, keep them going by saying like, okay, so how did that make you feel? Or what happened next? Interesting. Things like that to I keep like to keep the conversation. Flowing. So, what would you do? Like, would you start the sentence with a different word rather than why? Would you say how? Yeah. Or what? what how? What? Okay. You know. All right. Different prompts than that. So, if you really want to hear someone, um, the third one is harness effective pauses. Nice. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Effective. That was pauses. deep. I used to love. The dramatic pause when I was public speaking, preaching, that kind of thing. You are good at that. Like it was this big vacuum in the room. Everyone's waiting for the answer. Yeah. And then you get, you know, you just feel like you're in full control. (laughs) It's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) Well, the person who is doing the pausing usually kind of is in control. Oh, yeah. Did you know that um, uh, it turns out that in the art of negotiation, Mm -hmm. they say they the royal they, oh, the like royal, whoever okay. the, the they is. The other people. They say that the person, this is a negotiation, that the person who speaks first almost always loses. Oh. So you're negotiating along or whatever. Somebody makes an offer and the first person to budge verbally is almost always the loser. Wow. Yeah. So watch out. That makes out. sense. Yeah. When you go to like a car sales place, you know, you can make your offer and then wait. And if they, you know, if nothing happens, don't say anything. Just yeah. wait for them to counter, right? Don't be like, well, you know, I could give you 10,000 less or more or whatever. Yeah. So what if you didn't look at that as a power move, but you looked at it as the person who's doing the pausing is doing so to get a response. And so when you're the active listener, oh. I'm pausing to get a response. I'm getting you to do something to respond to my pause, you know, you were using an example of like a negative power thing, but we could do it in any mm. situation. So like I was thinking about for some reason, like whenever I have an auditor come to my office. Ew, does that happen a lot? Well, you know, they audit systems and all that stuff. But, okay. you know, it's not that I've done anything bad, but they're really skilled at like not saying anything. They just sit there and pause <laughs> all the time. And so then you're feeling awkward. And so you like start saying things randomly that you normally would never like <laughs> just start talking about and like start giving information on. That's but you do so it because funny. they're paused 
And they, I think they do that on purpose. Wow. They're giving you the stare down and just sitting there watching you. And so you're like, all of a sudden you just start spewing things. Wow. That is genius, actually. You're sitting there telling your life story. Mm -hmm. And they haven't even asked you anything. Exactly. Wow. Parents. It's a Jedi mind trick. Parents, this is a good, a good listening tool. Harness the power, the power of the pause. Remember when we used to do that thing of like, you know, son, <laughs> you know why I pulled you in here. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a chance to tell me. Meanwhile, even if nothing's going on, that's so totally, mean. Or you totally didn't even know what they were going to say, but you're like just hoping that they take the bait. <laughs> oh, of course. Like you, they, they, they're walking around looking guilty that day or something like that. And so you sit them down. You know why I sat you down, right, son? <laughs> And they're like, you know, like, I, and then you just wait it out. That's so mean. I'll give mean. you one chance just to sort of tell me what's happening. That's so mean. Isn't that horrible? You know what I hate? I think that we, yeah. You know what I hate? What? When people say to me, can we set up a time to talk? But don't they, ever do that to But someone. they don't tell me what it is about. You want to talk about a pause? Oh, that is like a two, three-day pause. Every time I feel like saying, well, maybe I'll agree to that if you tell me what we're going to talk about. But I'm not going to sit and wonder if I'm going to show up to something just to be attacked or whatever. But like that, that drives me crazy. But people do that all the time. And they think it's like this like nice invitation. I'm like, no, that's the meanest thing ever is to like it's not tell so, somebody why you need to talk to them. so bad, especially for a, 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 a gal like yourself. Oh, really? It's yeah, just bad for me? No. <laughs> I mean, going, you know, going, living the life that you did and being part of so many systems where you're putting yourself out there in a really vulnerable way. Like, yeah. whether it's helping people or it's, you know, even, sure. you know, um, teaching and all that kind of stuff. And it's so often like someone will email you. I mean, there's so much like just derogatory garbage that yeah. people are like why didn't you you know on yeah. it you know just dumb comments but then there are those people who are like i wanted to talk to you are you available wednesday and when you're in that sort of vulnerable position it's just so yeah excruciating like, what you should say oh is goodness. like hey i wanted to talk to you about this yeah we meet on wednesday yeah so that the other person has time to prepare because that's just an unfair setup yeah but we digress. Well, I don't want to digress all the completely because I know that like if you're involved in a church, I'm just going to say this out loud to mm -hmm. all of the you know people who are involved in the church. Do not do that to your pastor. Don't do it to anybody. Don't do it mean. to a teacher. Don't do any of that. I remember, uh, was it Hughes, Stephen Hughes? He was one guy who was like, hey, I want to meet with you. This is when I was pastoring. And trust me, man. I mean, he's saying it in it. I think it was an email. And he was like, trust me. All I want to do is come and just give you a high five. I think you're a powerful, beautiful guy, man, that, you know, you have something. Well, going. that's nice. It yeah. was super big of him to do that. And I'm like, by the time he got there, I already loved the guy. Right. I'm like, right. Oh. Because you didn't, you weren't armed for bear. You were like ready for love. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, this guy's going to be my friend. Yeah. You know? But almost never did that happen. Yeah. It was almost always like, hey, can we meet Wednesday? And then I would say probably 70% of the time it was great. Yeah. But even if it isn't great, you should be able to prepare for that. Like yeah. you should let the other person prepare for that. Yeah, that's only fair. Yeah. That's good communication skills. Right. Okay. So So don't do it to your spouse either. No. Right? I mean, you don't want to do that to don't your spouse. Like, like, we're going to talk Wednesday. Yeah. It's kind of like wait until your dad gets home. Yeah. Well, you know, then you're yeah. just yeah, you're pr you're prepped. That's punishment enough. You're right. 
It like is. seriously, waiting till your dad gets home. Suspended I never had a punishment. dad, but I can imagine. Oh, it's awful. That that would be like the worst mm-hmm. forty-eight hours or however long that would be. Yep. You're punishing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Even if it was just an hour or two, it's still really bad. Oof. Okay, so the fourth listening tool. There's ten of these, but the fourth listening tool is like that you reflect back what somebody is saying, just so they know you're listening to them. So I heard you tell me that I should reflect back what you what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And yes, you should reflect back what you're saying, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm being cheesy. No, okay. So just yeah, say right. something that they've already said so that they know you're paying attention. It's not like a like what kind of a thing. And it actually kind of I think it actually helps you pay attention. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially when someone's talking. Oh, can I just interject this too? Like when people. Uh, when you're in a situation that it's maybe not your family and, you know, it's it's people that you kind of know or whatever, stop using names. Because there's so Why? many people. I'm Well, there's so many times where I'm listening to someone talk and they're like, oh, and then Paul was like, you know, uh, I can't believe that he started dating this, G, you know, Gina or whatever, you know. And I'm like, I oh, don't know pe- any of these people. Oh, you mean people you don't know. Yes. If you're talking, yeah, if you're around people that yeah, they don't, don't know. Yeah, don't use names. Because <laughs> it does. You just that frustrates my, me. My friend, you know. Yeah, just like do the whole like, yeah, I have this friend who whatever. Sure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, it I is feel like I'm isolating. on the outside Yeah, that's a this. good point. Seriously. That's a good point. I think it's kind of a big deal. Okay, so reflect back what they're saying. To prove that you're listening. Mm-hmm. This one was interesting. He said, label emotions. So, like, if I see you really upset and go to you and say, like, it's Chris, it seems like you're angry. How does that make you feel? <laughs> That's like the, I hate it when you do that. Yeah. I actually do. Yeah. You used to do that I don't that like when people do that either. You used to do that quite a bit, actually. Yeah. I remember the first time you prayed for me. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, while you were really angry? It was actually hilarious. I think about it a lot. Because <laughs> you were like, story. it was this? like one of the very first times. It wasn't that I was angry. It was that we were trying to decide something. Were we like, married or not married? We were, uh, I mean, like, how long was it that we weren't married? Okay. Three weeks okay. or something? It was like the first, you know, we got married so quick. But I remember it was something. Oh, it was. Just... It was so bad. It was like, it was so bad. We were... Trying to decide something. And I was frustrated. Like, I was genuinely frustrated by the process. And I was kind of frustrated with myself that I couldn't, you know, whatever the, the whole... I I was the guy on the fence, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember you, like, pulled me in and began to pray with me. And you just started going, like, yeah. And I and I just... I'm, I'm praying that, you know, he'll see the light my way and all this <laughs> stuff. Like, you seriously, no kidding. You were praying that your will be done. <laughs> On earth. <laughs> you did. I'm so that. sorry. And I actually pushed you away and was like, um, you're trying to tell me what to do here in this, in this prayer. prayer. It was so bad. Man, I bet we couldn't even count how many times I've done that in our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's like, not even sly. It's <laughs> it's not even like yeah. Smart. It's not even smart. It's like so overt. It's like Cole's TikTok, our son's TikTok. He has this TikTok where he's joking and he like is mocking me praying at the dinner table. The and best. it's like, what is it like? 
help them know that they're going to burn in hell if they don't, you know, like <laughs> kind of like reprimanding the child at the dinner table. Yeah. You like sort of like get into this thing where you're going to, you know, present your agenda in prayer. <laughs> right. And you're it just going to pray it that God. Will. Yeah. And it's like, you just pray that, you know, this guy's going to see God's glory. You know what I mean? Like, cause <laughs> through you, it is, it is your yeah. Okay. Wow. So that was, I'm really sorry about that. I would never do that now, but you know, Hey, you learn, you learn. I, this is the first time you brought this up to me. So well, I wish you would have corrected me like 27 years I ago. I did. I did it in the moment. And then you sort of kept up with it for about a decade or so. <laughs> you were getting better. You got better and better. Oh really? Yeah. You got better and better at it, but you know, to where it was, a, it was less detectable. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was, it was good. I mean, it, you know, respect you know you were trying to you know you're trying to be autonomous you're trying to be happy yes hey <laughs> i was trying to be happy through making you better in prayer controlling <laughs> the outcomes of your life yes. that's what you're doing by making me choose yeah. and see then i felt squashed right because i wasn't having my own choices because god was supposed to show me what you're supposed to you know it's like oh my goodness the god card here is terrible <laughs> always trumping with the god card so bad. okay but Labeling emotions, is that ever appropriate? Is that, like he said, it's actually helpful. Like you might actually say to somebody like, you're seeming kind of frustrated. Are you frustrated or like, are you angry or frustrated? Or how would you say you're feeling? Because okay. then they can actually correct you and identify for themselves what they're feeling. But babe, 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 you got to be really careful with this one. Yeah. I, I really, because it goes really quick into this. Why are you so pissed? Right. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? That is just... That makes me crazier. Way crazier. It's like poking a dog with a stick. It makes anyone crazier. Like, why are you in bad mood? Or why are you feeling, you know, why are you so sad? Well, I guess that's the, you know, that's the why question. So. Oh, yeah. The get why out of yeah. there. Whoa, check this out. If you got why out of there. Mm -hmm. And you just said, you're sad. I see but that you're sad. But that's still asserting. That's still telling them what they're feeling. How do you ask them that without even telling them what they're feeling? Yeah, I just think, I think that I am more prone to respond to you if you said something like, this is making you really angry, huh, babe? Then, why are you so pissed? Right, yeah. I, I'm, I think I'm willing to hear that. I think I'm willing to hear, like, babe, I can tell this is really making you angry. What if I said it like, you seem, this seems to be bothering you. Does it make you feel angry or frustrated or sad? Right. What if I gave you that menu approach we talked about in the last episode? Where you're like, then you get to look at it and go, I don't know. Am I feeling angry, frustrated, or sad? Or am I just like, I don't have any emotion about it. But you get to identify it then. I think I like that, I think. Yeah. I think I like that. Have we done that before? Because that's pretty cool. That's a cool idea. I mean, right now in my most right mind, when I'm like... When you're not a, pissed? When I'm having a great day and I'm, yeah, I'm not being like a little rat yeah then yeah i think that that would be really i feel like i could respond to that like so if, maybe to say i see that you're bothered by instead of because bothered by doesn't feel like an accusation but i you know i see like like that's disrupting you like what's what is it making you feel right yeah to use like neutral language mm -hmm. to bring out that labeling i don't yeah. know that might be helpful i think it's helpful i think it is i think it's definitely worth it like giving it a shot you gonna try it out on me sometime or? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, like and what then, scenario would you think it would work on me though? Oh, seriously. Any, 
when if you're if I if I really can't tell what you're feeling. I mean, obviously, only do this if it's genuine. If somebody's actually mad and you know exactly what they're mad about, don't be like, "You seem really upset," and I don't know why. I mean, then you're just a jerk. They're like, yeah, you F, know, f off. But the <laughs> the other one, what? And guys do this all the time. It's like this unspoken <laughs> blindness from the male human race. <laughs> They'll say to women all the time, like, "Why aren't you smiling? Smile." They do that to women all the time. Can I just say, if I could stare at a camera, do not say that to women. You will immediately be the asshole everybody hates. (laughs) Seriously, don't do it. I don't care what, like, I don't care how much RBF we have or anything like that. Like, telling a woman to smile is like, no, it should end. Do you get that a lot? Oh, yeah. Women get that all the time. Yeah, it's an it's and every woman hates it. It's just that men don't understand that they hate it. It's kind of like one of those things. Yo, what is that? I don't know if I've ever in my life said to a woman, "Boy, you would be a lot prettier if you were smiling, girl," well, they don't or say something that. like they this. They just say like, like "Smile," or you know, "What's wrong? Why are you smiling?" But I think it actually stems from like this idea that men think women should be nice and pleasant all the time. That's my own right. personal. Oh, I love the feminists coming yeah, out. The feminist is coming out. But I'm just saying, even if she isn't a feminist, she still hates it. So stop doing it. <laughs> okay. Um, Where are we at? Don't speak over each other. What? <laughs> don't speak don't, over, don't, don't speak don't over each other is number six. Oh. Don't speak over each other. You know what the worst thing is? What? Is watching a couple speak over each other. We had a friend, a couple friend that spoke over each other every time they talked. I mean, I mean, every, every time they talked. And I started thinking to myself, well, you're not talking. You're preparing what to say next as the other person's talking. Right? Yeah, you're not like listening. The, yeah. You're not even talking. Like, you're not even, well, I would say communicating. Yeah. When I would say talking, yeah. I mean, commu- you are not having a conversation. That's what I mean. Yes. You're having an, a conversation in yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you're just telling yourself what you're going to say next. Yeah. And I, that is so lame. Yeah. The talking over thing, that seems to be a common thing with couples. Like either the husband or the wife will be one or the, one or the other will be the natural talker over. And they'll just like interrupt what the other person is saying. Right. Which is like, again, can we just bring up that like when you have a partner that like if we're sitting across from a couple that's talking and one person is always interrupting the other person and talking over them. Ooh. No one in the room thinks, wow, that person who's not able, like is getting overrun is like not a good thinker or not a good speaker or they they don't know what they need to say. So this person needs to interject. No one is thinking that. And no one is thinking. So the guy, the the guy, I'm going to put it in a guy, like the guy who is like overtaking the conversation. No one thinks he's really smart. No, no No one thinks he's like, Oh man. Yeah. Come on. We don't want to hear from her. Let's hear from (laughs) you. Like we're not doing that. No, the, Ever. O- the only thing anyone is thinking again is, wow, that person who's interrupting them is such an asshole. <laughs> That's all they're thinking. They're not thinking they're smarter, that they are more articulate mm-hmm. or that they really should be the boss. No one's thinking. That. And the hard part is like right now, no one thinks they do this. Mm-hmm. Right. The over talker guy <laughs> or whatever. Or girl. Or a girl. 
right now doesn't know they're like doing it because when they're doing it, they're so excited to like make a point or prove a point, you know, and they just feel like the world needs this right now. Mm-hmm. Like you're not quite getting it. So I got to interject, you know, and I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going to like direct this thing to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know the personality and it's really frustrating. It's yes. really frustrating to watch couples do it to each other. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I think a really close second is when one of the partner spouse, whatever, speaks for yes that not was... over but speaks for that is like yes gross. that's the next one it's the it's number seven. Oh, don't speak for each other <clears throat> like don't answer for the other person right which, which is hard it is kind of hard especially if like you see them like they're uncomfortable or you might think it makes them uncomfortable that's okay if it's your partner they're a grown-ass adult yeah. And they can answer for themselves. You know, I think I used to hate this when I was a, when I was younger. And I probably still do. You know, I have that really heavy punk rock, like, spirit side of me that, you know, has a problem with authority. You're rebel. I, I, You're rebel, I, I Chris. I am. I just, I'm autonomous Chris, mm-hmm. you know. Now I'm realizing that it's biological and I'm, in ways, very many ways, proud of it. Yeah. And I like that about myself. Yeah. But I, I think I've always had a problem with people telling me how I am mm. or telling me what I think about something. In fact, it's the reactant thing yeah. where I'm like, I'm going to change my mind right now because they <laughs> because you actually just said it? think that I'm this way, right? I'm, <laughs> no, I'm way too punk rock. No, yeah, like, no, no, that, you didn't get it right. Wrong! Wrong, exactly. As much as I want to be like that, like, no, don't tell me who I am. Like, don't tell me I am my own person. Well, reactance does that, right? They, you know, even then in that study we cited last week, it was like, that is what happens. Even if you were, even if you were already going to do that, as soon as somebody tells you to do it, you don't want to do it anymore because right. you're like, oh no, I, nope. you know, I'm not going to be told. Right. Yeah. And so I just would have to believe that when, as a spouse, right, as a partner, when you speak for them, a little dangerous. Little dangerous, and I would say, unless they've asked you to do that or something, or you've made an agreement about that. But can I just debunk this whole idea that, like, we're speaking? It's good to like be the voice for other people, and I often hear it because I'm in the like nonprofit social world. It's like, well, we speak up for the voiceless. You know, we advocate for the voiceless. Right. And I'm just going to say that unless someone is not born and has and doesn't actually have a voice, like even if they don't actually have a talking voice or, you know, but if they're not alive yet, then you can talk about like advocating for the voiceless. But what I'm saying is like anybody that's alive, uh, you know, outside wow. the womb has some sort of a voice, whether that be an ability to act or decide or communicate even a baby even a baby like they they're they're gonna cry they're gonna do those kind of things so this idea that people are voiceless and you need to speak for them is totally erroneous wow that is not a thing mind blown wait wait okay so i have always been in that mind think mindset that you know you have to um oh advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves or, um, you know, and, and I understand that, but this voiceless thing. 
Yeah, there's a difference between advocacy, like if they're not in a position to actually have power to advocate, that's different. Right. But what I'm saying is like, assuming that you're going to be the voice for someone else is not appropriate. Here's the reason why I absolutely love what you're saying. Even a baby, right? It's because I jumped to the conclusion, and I'm sure other people would join me in this jump, of a baby is voiceless. A child is voiceless, right? And I love what you're saying because if you can sort of trade that in or you can change your thinking on that, all of a sudden you go, oh, no, they have a voice that I'm not listening to. Yes. They have a voice that I'm not hearing, mm-hmm. right? It's not as though they're not uh, affecting the world that they have been dropped into. Yeah. I mean, they are. It's just that we're dull to it. Yes. And a lot of times with us, we're just pushing our own agenda. We're pushing our own. And we're not actually listening to what people are saying, what kids are saying, what babies are saying. Mm-hmm. Like, And that, I think, is a really beautiful piece under this heading of autonomy yeah. where it's like, no. No, 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 no. Don't fall for this thing that people don't have a voice. Why don't you shut up and listen? Yeah. In whatever <laughs> form that takes, like what? let them speak into the conversation. I love it. In whatever you're observing. That's really cool. Or, you know, the, the relationship, what that feedback is in the relationship. Mm. Like, what are they actually telling you with their passion, their, you know, their love, their hate, their, like, what are they telling you in those things without av- actually having to say it? Which is why, like, in, you know, the big movement, of course, in any sort of um, social services arena is that you have to have people with lived experience at the table. Otherwise, it's a bunch of people who don't actually know, pretending they're making decisions for other people, calling it advocacy, but they're not the ones who actually know. So unless you're bringing in the people to actually speak who have the voice and quit quieting their voice by not including them, you're making a grave mistake. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. And I mean, let's just circle it back to, um, you know, I think this is, I think it's truer than not true that there is a person in the relationship you know i'm just saying like a monogamous you know relationship yeah whether that's marriage or you know partnership or whatever it is a lot of times there will be a quieter one yeah for sure you know and i think that um and it's not because they don't have a voice mm-hmm. it's because you're just not getting it yeah or you didn't leave space for them or to you didn't talk. leave space you're not communicating you're not listening maybe you're not you know and so I think that it would be, this is, to me, this is a really good sort of check sort of tool. If you think that your partner right now, your spouse right now, um, can't think for themselves or is just being really quiet and not really speaking up and they seem really confused, maybe you are. Mm, wow. Maybe you're not listening. Yeah. Maybe there's a million things that she's saying. Mm-hmm. That you're not picking up on that. Yeah. I think you are. You might have already decided what you think she's saying. You might you might exactly. discount and not think that she has an opinion. She's um, not saying what she should. Because she's not articulating the way you wanted to hear it. But she might be saying it in other ways. In right. her actions, in what she's doing. She's probably yeah. speaking loud and clear. It's funny because there's so many things, especially as a new husband, that you would expect that your wife would either do or say or believe. And oftentimes that's not the case because you're dealing with an individual. 
Yeah. You're not dealing with your sort of projected idea of what a, a quintessential wife would be. You're actually dealing with yes. a woman here. You yeah. know, a woman who is autonomous and beautiful and powerful. Has her own mind. Has her own yeah, mind, yeah. baby. And that is, I think, just such a great check. Yes. And this idea that, like, her opinion needs to agree with you is total, sure. yeah. Like, you know, a, a love and partnership does not equal agreement. That's not the same thing. Right. You can you can be in really good partnership and not be in agreement about something. And it doesn't mean that they're against you. It just means they have their own mind and they get to decide that just like that. you get to. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. Um, I remember I remember seeing this episode and I remember someone speaking about this episode of Captain Kirk mm. where he gets um, he gets dropped into a world where it's a whole bunch of women. Beautiful women. Yeah. I mean, the guy was a stud. Captain Think about every, Star yeah, Trek, yeah. Every single episode, this guy's like, you know, taking some chick back to the <laughs> spaceship. You know what I mean? Like, and she's, oh. Even if she had like know, nine heads. Yeah. yeah. No, but, but he gets dropped into this world with all these super hot chicks. You ever and, notice that even the aliens had big boobs, though? Like, they were never without <laughs> boobies. Yeah. And we didn't come up in a patriarchal society. <laughs> I love it. So, but the thing that... It was really interesting about this was that he gets dropped into this world with all these women who do exactly what he wants mm. all the time. Like, constantly. They're, yes, you know, basically they're just slaves, right? And most guys are like, uh, okay, this is the perfect world. This is heaven, right? Yeah. And what happens is, by the end of this thing, he is so, like... I can't remember what the actual feelings were, were, but he could not wait to get out of there. I mean, he was like, this is the worst possible universe I could ever live Interesting. in. Right? Yeah. And these writers did this way back then because they just knew, right? Yeah. That, that like, if you, if all you ever get is more of you. Oh, what a boring existence. Not only that, but yeah, I mean, you just, it's, it, it, it there's nothing like worse almost yeah. in a, in a, in a big way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm going to get really raw about this really real because, you know, being, so we were pastors, you yeah. were the senior pastor, right? And yeah. here I am the pastor's wife and also pastor, but like, you know, in the Christian world, women have a place within the church. Sure. And even though we were trying to combat that a little bit, it still exists definitely within that uh, structure. And I remember for me, kind of one of the, like towards the end where it was like the final straw, many final straws mm -hmm. for me. One of them was that as my opinion was changing and I would have a disagreement, like I would be like, I don't agree with that anymore, or I don't feel that, or I don't believe that right. anymore because of the position. I wasn't allowed to disagree with you. Not because you were saying you can't like actually in reality disagree with me. It wasn't that it was that within the system, if you disagree with me, don't say it because we can't have an ununited front. Right. Which is, that's the hard part. So I got to the point where I was like, I am not able now to have a voice. I am losing autonomy because I'm not able to actually articulate and say that I disagree with this. 
I have to pretend like I agree with it, even if I don't, which then became an integrity issue for me. I was unwilling to be a person without integrity. And I wanted to be the same person in, in voice and in deed in front of people, not in front of people. And that was one of the things that I just was like, that's a deal breaker. I can't do this anymore because if I can't actually verbally disagree, I'm not interested. That is such I thank you. I mean, seriously, thank you for bringing that up because I mean, there's so many different rabbit trails we go down right now with that whole idea. But I would say this based on, <laughs> I don't know, we may get in trouble for this, but based on Captain Kirk, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, um, based on how many pastors, and many men within churchianity, let's just call it churchianity, so we stay safe here. Okay. <laughs> it's like they have this misconception that they want to be in love with themselves. Mm. They don't want a woman with some power and an actual thought. <laughs> They're more in love with themselves. Yeah. And their own thoughts and their own opinions. Than they are with an actual individual. And they really do actually believe that they know better. All the time. That their opinion is the right opinion. And, and therefore no one should disagree. And hopefully they'll have their Captain Kirk moment. God, I hope so. That's what I'm praying for. <laughs> I hope someday, you know, they figure it out. But... I'm just saying, for me, that was a deal breaker. Yeah. Like, that was one of the things that yeah. I just said, can't do it. Yeah. Won't do it. You, I, can I just say what I observed from you? And we're, again, we're talking about autonomy. We're talking about individual. We're talking about integrity. We're talking about you have to make choices. You have to be in control of your life, you know, just to be happy. Yeah. Biologically. Okay. Yes. And the thing that I observed about you was in, you know, church, churchianity, um, that I thought was really very respectable and in fact it was it was convicting where you were like look i can't say and this is a church that i created right i can't you you said and i think it's true you said i cannot say that the way we treat women isn't oppressive in any other circle that we're in, in any other institution in America, you can't get away with this shit. No. The like, you can't just not, I mean, and so that is the hard part with you. And I know we just probably opened a huge can of worms, but the thing that I'm saying is this. It's like, look, until, I mean, in, 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 in you know, I was a firm believer in the whole idea of, look, if... um the word of God says it, there has to be a reason mm -hmm. and the reason has to be good. And if we follow these things out, what the word of God says, then it'll come out really, really good. I mean, that was my full on mental, my mental understanding. Meanwhile, I was no kidding without really any like well, apology now, but without uh, unapologetically, as I lived, I was in a system that genuinely oppressed women. 
and if gay you, people and yeah. And if you step back and look at that, you really, you honestly can't add it up any other way. No, unless you just tell yourself a lie about it. Right. You tell yourself there's a reason, and so that must be okay. Which is a, not necessarily a lie, or it wasn't a lie when I was actually telling it to myself. Like, I wouldn't intentionally, I mean, the Bible even says, you know, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. Wait, we deceive ourselves. We don't even need to be deceived. We deceive ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so this whole, I think, this whole idea was... I wasn't lying to myself. I was telling myself God's honest truth. And I was, you know, Your truth. living, yeah, yeah living yeah. down the truth. But what you the, were lying to yourself, but you were telling yourself, but I'm, tell, but I'm living a truth that I truly believed. And millions of people are still living this truth yeah. as they truly, you know, as they mm -hmm. see the word of God, like, you know, unfold in front of their face. Meanwhile, if you look at it in, you know, from a, 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 a just a sociological sociopolitical standpoint, like, which is basically reality. <laughs> you can't help but think like this is oppressive. Yes. Like you're saying, you wouldn't get, a, you wouldn't get away with it in any other world. You wouldn't be able to have women in a workforce, but be unwilling to give them certain titles. You wouldn't be a, able to not promote them. You wouldn't be able to pay them significantly less because, you know, all that stuff would come under check. Or a gay person, you wouldn't be able to, like, can't be a member, can't be yes. in on things, can't serve in the same way. You can be here and we're going to love you, but you can't actually be part of the body or you can't be part of leadership. You can't, you know, you can't do any of these things. Yeah. And in that way, that is oppressive. Yes, but what, like you're saying, while you're in it, you, you're just, it, you're telling yourself your own truth and what you have kind of the construct that you have decided is the truth and that, you know, justifies the actions. But for me, when I finally came to that point of like, I actually now see it as a lie. It's going to be a lie for me. What was truth for me at one point, what I did agree with. Right. Now, if I agree with that, it will be a lie. I won't go there. Like, I won't go there. Right. So. And I think that that is, that is the thing that people have to come to. And that's the autonomy part of it. It's yeah. one of those things where I started to look at so much of the Bible in, the, in a way. I mean, because I was responsible to show up every Sunday and, you know, tell something really smart to 700 people. And then a whole bunch of people online. Yeah. You know, and I started to feel that same, you know, as you were unfolding this. Yeah. I know we're on it rabbit trail, but this is, I think, good. Yeah. But as you were unfolding it, it started to convict me and I started to think it through like, wait, is this actually true? Am I in a system that oppresses, uh, you know, women? And then I started to look at the Bible, you know, and go, wait, I mean, cause you can get the Bible to say anything. Oh, if, yeah. if you look at, <laughs> if you look at history, I mean, come on, it, it's, you can literally get it to say anything. Mm -hmm. And I have to believe that, um, like where I am now when it comes to um, sort of how I see the Bible, but especially how I see people and my take on, you know, women in the church, gay people as associated with Christianity and church. I have to believe that it's way closer to the heart of Christ than it ever has been. 
Define that further. What do you mean? I would say that it is, I am thinking more like God would think about these people. The God of, you know. People? <laughs> the, well, no, I would say the God that most preachers preach about, but yet don't live like kind mm-hmm. of thing. That, I think, I feel closer to the heart of God with my convictions about gay people and women than I ever did when I was in the church. Yeah. That's that makes so sense? interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That inclusion. Like that being, inclusion. Being out of that oppressive structure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, no one can take that from me. Yeah. You know, I mean, someone would be like, oh, you know, I'll be praying for you because you probably lost your soul. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, you think you're taking the word of God. I'm talking like some sort of backwoods person, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, I just feel like, and that is a decision I get to make. I am an autonomous person. That's and right. That's the whole thing. It's like, hey, welcome to thousands of years of men and women interpreting the Bible. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. And get, you know what? You get a chance to do it yourself. Yes. You know? And expect that everyone has enough value and smarts and everything to make their own decisions. And you don't need to convince them otherwise. You don't need to tell them that they're going to change their mind and that they're going to, you know, come around and that they're going to see the light. If they've made a choice, it's because their autonomous self has decided that that they have rationale, they have reason, and they've decided. They're powerful people. And that's what they get to choose. And they're individuals. And it doesn't, hey, that's their choice. So, okay, we diverted. Yeah. But that was the all about like, don't speak for other people. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, number eight was give time and space for processing. Remember, speaking of like Bible things, remember when we were first married and it's like, you always wanted time after a fight, like when we we're in the middle of a fight to process, you didn't yeah. want to like duke it out head to head. But I really should have been a debater for oh. a profession because- I would always want to debate. And so I would like, you'd want to go to bed. So you'd go to bed. And then I'd like flip on the light and be yelling and screaming about how oh, you yeah. should go to bed in your anger. And like, how dare you, you know, let the sun go down. I mean, I was quoting scriptures at you. Flipping like, it out there. So godly, you oh, know, quoting yeah. scriptures at oh, you. Like, yeah. <laughs> Loved it. When you really just needed time to process. Yeah. And you would say, you would say like, if you would just let me sleep, I think I would be better to be able to talk about this. But I couldn't hear any of that because I wanted my way. I wanted to do it right now. Right. You know, let's, so, let's hash it out. So frustrating. So frustrating. <laughs> and I've said, I think I even said it in this podcast earlier. It's like, you're going to process right in front of me right now. Like, come on. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. So give the space people need. And actually I had a, a friend of mine said the other day, like something really beautiful about her boyfriend. She was like, well, he's a, he takes a long time process and needs like space to be able to do that. So even when I know I'm going to be talking to him about something hard, I give him a heads up like, Hey, mm. we really do need to talk about that. Maybe we should talk about it on like a day so that you, you, you can really be thinking about it so that you come to the conversation, really knowing what you want to wow. say. Yeah. Which I thought was so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. That's so, that just is like such a respect thing. Oops. My mic. It's such a respect thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an acknowledgement of autonomy. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. they'll need, maybe they need to write it down. Maybe they need time to process. You know, I remember counseling couples before and saying to them, like, if the husband was an over talker of the, you know, quiet wife or something we would say like you're not allowed to speak for two minutes after you've said something i love that. just to force her like not to force her but to force you to shut up so that she actually has a chance to think about what she wants to say 
and carefully articulated because a lot of people are very careful about what they say. They don't want to say something that might be hurtful or that they'll regret. And so they want to craft that in their mind before they just blurt it out. Like the rest of us people who just like say whatever is on our mind. Right. Not everybody's like that. So allow each other that space. Yeah. I love that space too, because most people, well, I wouldn't say most, but when I see, you know, people, um, not communicating well or, um, you know, getting really frustrated with their communication. It's like that guy, he probably couldn't even count to two after she gets done talking. And it's like leap, you know, right on it. It's like, dude, two minutes would be like an eternity. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. But it's super good. Um, And then we talked about how it's really cool. We, we've never really done this, but we've watched our, son and his wife do it where they'll always ask each other a question in the context of like ranges. So they'll say like, yeah, Yeah. degrees. I'll be like on a scale of one to 10, how frustrated are you about that right now? I love that. We need to do that. We need, we we need to incorporate that. It'd be fun. Yeah. Like on a scale, like what, like between one and 10, how, how embarrassed are you right now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or how uncomfortable are you right now? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could do it in any, you could do it like on a scale. You could say like, if you could say this is your worst mid best, you know, yeah. letting, giving them those options I love that. is part of that menu approach. And actually we're going to do a whole series on, um, strategic kind of, um, communication and it yeah. involves a lot of variable options, but th- for this, this, to, that's just a really quick, like, give me a range. I, I love it because it's, re- it, again, it's that thing of you have a mind, you have an idea of what's going on. I know that I may be at a three right now, but I better check in here because you could be anywhere between zero and 10. Yeah. Or how important is it to you? If you were to rate these three things, which is the most important? Yeah. I, I always find those kind of surveys really helpful to look at because then you realize like people might say, well, these are my top three things, but really I could be thinking your first is my third. And, right. And we think we're negotiating on the same page, but we're not. Our our priorities are very different so in that funny. situation. So just kind of getting that on the table and figuring out what that is, what the, where we're at with that is helpful. Yeah. And you know, that's a dynamic thing because it doesn't just, you know, we've been married almost 30 years and we still have to same page. Like, wait, we're the same page here. Yeah. We're still getting this stuff out be like, I can assume a lot about your personality the yeah. way you're going to, this is going to go down, but, uh, we should get that back on the table. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't just take that for granted. Yes. Yeah. Cause we change and you know, there might be different circumstances. And then the last one, number 10 is just summarize the takeaways, which I think we do a lot. Like, okay. At the end of the conversation, like what did we actually like, here's what I kind of got out of this. And like what I think our action steps are, Mm -hmm. or even if there's not action steps, like what, okay. So that was a really good conversation. And like, you just find a way to summarize it so that you both walk away from the conversation, knowing the same thing about it, because have you ever been in a conversation oh. where you walk away and you think a certain thing was decided or said, and then you find out later that the other person walked away with a totally different end, end point? Oh, yeah. I know that, um, you know, you could do, let's just say you do some sort of teaching mm-hmm. and 300 people in the room. Yeah. I swear you, you just taught 300 different lessons yes because everyone walks away with a little something different you know what i mean yeah and i think your dad puts it really well um he you know because he was he preached for years and years and years and he's like 
what I found is that people, it's like hunting. He's like, a lot of times people come in there and they're looking for something. Ooh. Yeah. And they're like watching for something. And if they see any sort of, uh, you know, hint of it, it takes on this meaning and it's like, you know, That's I got I my thing, yeah, yep. you know, and it's, and it's, and it's so strange how people are sort of in such different places. Mm. Right. And they're looking for so many, you know, different things. They really are. You yeah. Know? And, and people are obviously complicated and stuff. And so when, when they're listening, when I'm listening, even to you, I have, you know, I'm looking for things in my own life. I'm looking for, you know, and that, and that always taints it always, you know, you know, um, it's not really trustworthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's this thing of, wait, your agenda, your insecurities, all of those things are going to skew how you hear things. And so I guess what I'm getting at is it's not, you can't just trust that you're on the same page without summarizing really yeah. because you and I do that. And I know I do that too. It's like, wait, where are we at? Like we just talked for two hours. Where are we at? What mm -hmm. did we say? What mm -hmm. did we say? What did we agree? Or did we agree on something? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I think that's super helpful. It is. And a good way to, to end it would be to say like, okay, so how would you, what was your big takeaway from what we talked about today? Right. Or what, you know, how would you summarize like this conversation? And that way it gives you, it's that open-ended, like, you're not saying, so did we agree upon and then telling them what right. to agree upon? You're saying like, give me your big takeaway so that you actually will hear the thing that most stood out by, by asking it that way. I love it. Yeah. And that's, I think even just when we were preparing for part two of this podcast, I was asking you like, wait, what did, what did you mean to say? Just give me one sentence. What was the biggest thing about the last, last week's podcast? You know, what was it that you took away? And we both took away semi-similar but different things. Yeah. I yeah. can't assume that you and I have the same exact takeaway, right? Right. You were like, well, it gives me empathy to understand about autonomy. And I was like, well, it gives me tools to help, you know, help you, help my kids, help whoever, how to walk through, like, discovering what they are, who they are. Right. It's the, yeah, it's the whole thing of, like, you want to help people get to an end goal. And I want to help people feel better about themselves. <laughs> I, mean, oh, I want you to feel good. <laughs> and you're like, I want you to be productive. And it's <laughs> exactly like, hey. if you could summarize so our whole funny. like life. That's aim. our entire that, life. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. That's so it. So um, the last kind of set of tools we wanted to talk about besides just communication. You have a whole other set? I have a whole nother. It's not very long. Good night. I, but this idea, um, I was listening to a podcast and the gal who was like a relationship counselor lady was saying like, one of the things she finds that people don't take the time to talk about, but is the thing that often derails the relationship is an agreement about what is done together and what is done apart. That this needs to be its own podcast. We're at an hour six right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just briefly touch on it. Should we just do another podcast charity? What do you think? How much time are we talking Oh, it's probably a while. Maybe we should end it. All right. Stay tuned for part three. Part three of autonomy. What you do together and what is done apart. I love it. And how you negotiate that. Because yeah. it's important. Let's get it. Wait, babe. <laughs> babe, wait. <laughs> how do we end this? By saying thank you. Okay. You guys are awesome. Thank you. 
There's nothing more encouraging than you hitting that like button and commenting. And don't forget to subscribe. And I know there's more. You have a list. Might as well go down the list. Right. Okay. Watch the video of this podcast on our Beautiful Step YouTube channel or on our website where you can actually download transcripts and show notes of the episode. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If today's episode made your together even better, tell someone. Okay. Now. Right now. Today. Okay. You can take one step. It's just one step toward the beautiful relationship you want in your life. You got this.